What's good guys, this is the Holy Spirit Mind and Body Podcast and I hope everybody's doing very well. We got a few articles today to go over, so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. First article we're going over is, why working your muscles may be your most powerful antidepressant. And the first key point we're going over is, muscle tissue communicates directly with the brain and other organs through chemicals called myokines. If I'm butchering that name, I apologize. Through the actions of myokines, muscle tissue communicates directly with the brain about this activity, triggering a cascade of biological responses that improve memory, learning, and mood. This newly discovered mechanism implies that a person engaging in physical activities that build and maintain healthy muscle tissue can expect to enjoy a range of cognitive and mental health benefits. Recent clinical trials show precisely this effect. I remember reading a study the other day or a while back that is, that even patients that have dementia, something they highly recommend is for them to exercise daily in order to get the dopamine flowing to their brain. This has proven even to help dementia patients not regain memory, but keep them from losing memory and slowly cognitively declining. So second point here is, through these chemical interactions between muscles and the mind, exercise improves cognitive function and mental health. Digested to the smallest denominator, Nutrients are converted by mitochondria, arguably the VIP citizens of your cells, into billions of ATP molecules per minute. Although every, even an ordinary cell may house thousands of these energy-producing mitochondria, muscle cells are mitochondrial beehives, possessing tens of or even hundreds of thousands to power their operations. Once made, ATP is feasted upon your, by your cells like exhausted runners devouring power bars at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. You guys didn't know you were going to get a biology lesson today, didn't you? <laughs> or did you? So, second part is, emerging almost impossibly from this molecular mayhem is you. Every thought, feeling, and action results from, one, from and depends on this unceasing cycle of energy, demand, and energy production. And if it isn't apparent from this description, the better your cells function at the level of this little of the little, the better you feel and function at the level of the large. So the more you feed yourself, the more you give yourself energy, the more you give your cells the energy to reproduce and also to power yourself, the rest of your organs in your body, the better you're going to feel mentally. This brings us back to resistance training. Given the vital roles your muscles play in energy production and brain function, perhaps it is time to begin appreciating resistance training and muscle building as being useful or more than athletes and mag- for more than athletes and magazine models. The brain is designed for movement. This is why inactivity breeds depression and cognitive decline, while exercise fuels well-being. And this is also why on this channel I'll talk about the spirit, the mind, and the body. Because when you get those three things in alignment, that creates the ultimate health. Physical is very, very important. Physical health is it actually powers your mental health as well. And that can actually help your spiritual health as well. And I always tell people like exercising and working out is great. And you don't have to do anything crazy, right? You don't have to get in there and do 30 mile run with 3,000 push-ups and 200 sit-ups, whatever it may be. Sometimes just running, bike riding, jump roping, doing these simple things can help the dopamine get to your brain and release those endorphins that help you mentally. And as we'll see here in the rest of this article. Using your muscles against resistance, for example, is far more effective 
for strengthening your bones than any calcium supplement. Regular muscle activity also improves insulin resistance, the cause of diabetes, and many other metabolic conditions better than any prescription medication. And now we know that stimulating muscle tissues with resistance training has emotional effects rivaling those of conventional antidepressants and psychotherapies. Recent neuroscience suggests that we evolved brains for one primary reason, to move. Counterintuitive to our traditional pre preoccupation with thinking, the primary function of the human brain is to coordinate complex movement. This is probably why we have brains while giant but stationary redwood trees do not. So, even if you are, if you have, a, I used to have a desktop, right? And I used to sit down for 10 hours a day, just straight. And I would get up and walk around and stuff in order to keep my blood flow, circulating through my body, keep my brain healthy and stuff. Because just sitting all day, like we're used to nowadays, is not good for you. So even getting up, going to the bathroom and doing push-ups, which I have done many, many, many times, it helps me just kind of just get loose. And it even helps me mentally as well, not feel like I'm just stagnant and stationary. So everybody that has any kind of thing to do with uh, stagnation right now, the best thing for you to do is get up and exercise. And you may even be asking yourself, you know, I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to hit the, hit the road. I don't have time to get, you know, to hit weights and stuff like that. Again, it's not that complicated. You don't have to do too much. And we're going to go over a, another part of the article here that has to do with how to get yourself disciplined for working out. But I want to let you guys know that when you're working out, a workout isn't what you see on Instagram in the fitness models and stuff, or it's not getting abs like Chris Hemsworth. If you want to do that, that's great. And that puts in, you have to put in more at work for that. But just getting that again, 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour a day into working out is very essential to life. And I know moms out there are saying that I have the kids to watch and this, that, and the third. Try and coordinate with the husband and trying to get more time to work out for yourself and explain to them that you need a mental health break. Even like for the husbands out there that are saying, I'm working a nine to five job all day long. I'm not going to get off of work and then just go exercise. Hey, if you want to feel mentally better, if you want to feel physically better as well, and also attribute to your spiritual health, what's the best route for you to take is, and also to prevent disease as well, is working out getting in the gym again or doing the simple things you can before work after work if you're on your break on work whatever it may be i used to do it myself where i work an entire shift but in my lunch breaks i would go to the gym and then come back you can find a way when there is a will there is a way as my good friend jimmy house says and a lot of other people second article how can spirituality how spirituality can help your professionally by dr patil Turning inward to spirituality, philosophy, or mindfulness can help employees during the quiet quitting movement. So what is the quiet quitting movement? So the quiet quitting movement is contrary to what it says, which is the amount of time that you are at work, your nine to five job, you are putting in that work at that time required. So for example, if you have an office job where you're collecting data, right? You are putting in the work that is only necessary at your nine to five job for the hours of nine to five. So this, you may ask the question, what's wrong with that? And the problem is this, sometimes when you need to go above and beyond at your job to get a promotion or get a pay raise, you have to put in those extra hours and that extra work. And of course, we live in a generation, not even in a generation, we live in life where sometimes you put in a lot of effort and it doesn't breed the results that you want, but you kind of have to look at this situation that you're at, which is what this article talks about, and see, is it something that I'm doing? Is it something my boss is doing? And let's delve into that a little bit right now. 
and the age of great resignation and what makes the rounds of social media as quiet quitting, it is easy to blame supervisors, colleagues, and work environments for dissatisfactions. However, turning inward to religion, spirituality, philosophy, mindfulness, or meditations can spur foundational changes. A little bit of an anecdotal experience here. I remember going through some tough times at jobs I've had before, especially when I had, uh, not more recently, but just within the last three years. And I remember going through a lot of depression myself. And turning to God and turning to Christ was one of the best things I could do for myself. He really helped me get through mental and emotional problems. He really helped me get through my depression as well and just the stresses of the job. So religion, spirituality, the Holy Spirit can really help you get through any kind of trials and tribulations that you have. So I want you guys to recognize that when you're going through your daily life cycle, look inward and try and you know pray to God, pray to Jesus about what's going on with your life and also how you can be better for yourself. Spirituality can foster resilience by enabling people to make a more bird's eye, take a more bird's eye view of life. These foundational changes also have implications professionally. For example, a 2021 study finds that spiritual healthcare workers were more resilient and engaged during the COVID-19 pandemic than their counterparts. This has to do with the alternative way of coping that spirituality often helps people find. They tend to take a more bird's eye view of situations. A 2022 study finds that spiritual high school teachers not only reported higher levels of psychological well-being, but they also were more committed to their organization's advancements. Asking existential questions can cause people to become more intellectually and emotionally open. An earlier 2019 study on philosophical foundation and people-focused work shows that asking existential questions causes people to become more intellectually and emotionally open. It's social glue skill increasingly needed among leaders. We certainly found that ourselves becoming far more tolerant and understanding of others when we explored a spiritual approach to work. Previously, high expectations about treatment by some colleagues, fields, and institutions led to feelings of disappointment and one wrongdoing when any of these expectations were not met. For me, and this is talking, Dr. Patil is talking here, for me, taking a deep dive into works on self-realization and consciousness unconsciousness, pardon me, and other and others as well, as experimenting with different medi meditation and inner silence techniques made me realize how egotistical these expectations were. They were a byproduct of my own sense of self-importance. Questioning my place in, this co in the cosmos, my expectations began to crumble and I began to see what some of the beauty of this life journey. Spirituality can reduce workplace stress by allowing people to find creative new ways to improve their working conditions. While many organizations, businesses, companies, and academic institutions in the U.S. reportedly see the advantages of professionals to turn inward for their best workplace outcomes, the link between spirituality and workplace efficacy appears more prevalent globally as seen in research in Pakistan, the U.K., Indonesia, Turkey, and Austria. Turning the spirituality and religion to ask the bigger questions will definitely not be a one-stop cure for everything that in the workplace, but it may start bringing relief for leaders, managers, employees, and teams. When the first step may seem the most daunting, going inward is perhaps one proven path to reduce the friction between the individual, their expectations, attitudes, and other, and their professional actions. So a lot of times when I'm experiencing stress at work, or a lot of times when I'm experiencing hard times and difficulty at work, prayer is the way I go. Asking Jesus, like, I need some 
search my heart, give me patience, give me love, and give me the, the kindness in this position, or even lower my stress level as well. And also doing things, for example, that going outside, just kind of just just breathing as well is a, is, a, is a version of meditation too. Taking your step, step away when you're getting in a frustrating situation can really help somebody just relax and calm down. So that is the article, and I believe it's very prevalent today, especially with um, the need for a the third part of what I talk about, which is the not just the mind and body, but also the spiritual as well. I believe that talking about that is going to help a lot of people get connected with God and Jesus Christ. How to stick with your exercise plan? Have fun and bring a friend. By Bron Frenberg Brenner. Pardon me if I butchered that name. Center for Translational Research. So this article here is about the first thing I was talking about, which is exercise. Now. People oftentimes wonder, how do I get into exercise? How do I motivate myself? I always say, how do you discipline yourself? Because motivation, I'm not against it at all. But what I also like to make sure people are doing is realizing that discipline is what's going to keep you there and keep you consistent. Motivation is cool in the moment. You often have to remember why you are doing things, which is your motivation. But the discipline is what keeps you there. So picture a fire, for example. The discipline is the fire at its highest peak. The discipline is the fire roaring in a, in, a, in, a, in a fire pit, whatever it may be. But the motivation is the little sticks, the twigs, the coals, the logs that you add into the fire in order to keep that discipline going. So discipline is what you're aiming for. Motivation is that fuel to the fire. But don't rely too much on motivation than more than you rely on discipline because motivation is not always going to be there. And in the example that I gave before, the discipline is going to have to have those when those coals are at its lowest and when the fire is still hot, but it's not like a roaring fire. That's your discipline right there. That's keeping you going. That's what's keeping the fire going. So always rely more on discipline than you do rely on motivation. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. Personally, again, I think that motivation is cool, but discipline is where I put my put more of my focus on. Central components to maintaining an exercise plan are enjoying the activity, believing you can stick with it, and social support. In one study published last spring, researchers follow novice exercisers with the new gym memberships for up to 12 months and asked them to fill out surveys about their experiences. The study identified three elements that led participants to stick with a regular exercise routine. Choosing an enjoyable activity, something that participants look forward to doing, a feeling of self-efficacy that participants believe they could succeed, and social support from friends and family. Social support comes from frequently frequently in the literature on sustaining an exercise routine. A study published last year in the Journal of Psychology asked student studies subjects to participate in hand group tests within, with and without social support. People with social support performed better on the one hand grip test and they rated its difficulty level as lower, even at the most challenging stages of the test. So let's go over the three things that they were saying. The study identified three elements that led participants to stick with a regular exercise routine, choosing an enjoyable activity. A little bit of more of an anecdotal experience. I remember that like back back before I really started to love working out, I used to not like it because I would get in there and just do compound lifts and I would do the 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 regular squat, the regular deadlifts, the bench, I would do the bicep curls and the tricep stuff, and I would get in there and just be like, I am so bored, I don't want to be here. This ADHD mind was going crazy, losing focus. But what I started to do was incorporate kettlebell swings, 
uh, battle ropes, the sled, and even uh, even medicine ball slams as well into my workouts. And I found that I was a lot more enjoying my workout than just doing compound lifts. I still add in there the pull-ups, the deadlifts, the bench, and also the squats as well. But I kind of complement and supplement that stuff with kettlebell workouts. So if you find yourself getting bored, that could be a remedy, is switching up your workouts and not just doing conventional uh, weightlifting. The second one here is something that the participants look forward to doing, uh, a feeling of self-efficacy, uh, which is the second one, a feeling of self-efficacy. The participants believe they could succeed. You have to have that belief, and I know a lot of this times I talk about this actually on my Instagram and stuff, is where you have to walk in that authority, right? You have to walk in the authority that you can succeed in what you're doing. For example, let's say you're going to a workout and you're like, I don't know if I'll be able to bench today. I don't know if I'll be able to hit the hit the treadmill for this amount of time, whatever it may be. In your mind, you have to psychologically wire yourself to accept nothing but failure and you have to succeed. Can you fail and do you fail at times? Yes, but rewiring your brain so you say to yourself, at least I got in there or at least I succeeded in the getting in there department or at least I succeeded in running a little bit, or at least I succeeded in working out today, that's how you need to rewire your brain, is that I wanna succeed in my goals, which is to get to this amount of bench, to get through this, uh, I can run this amount of, I can run this many miles in this amount of time. Things like that are what you need to gear your mind towards. That's your version of success right there. And you need to have realistic goals as well when it comes to your success in the, in the gym. If you are 130 pounds and five foot two, you're not gonna be benching 280 tomorrow if you just started working out. Have realistic goals and set expectations that you know you can crush, but still give you that challenge. And social support from friends and family. That social support is very is very important, but I wanna I wanna emphasize something a little bit real quick. When you have social support, it's always great to have the backing of family members and people with you. Because that shows here, again in the study it was saying that we perform a lot better when we have support with us. But always remember this, gym partners are a great thing to have, but you shouldn't rely on them 100% to go to the gym or not, or to exercise or not. You can't say to yourself, oh, I don't have my gym buddy today, so I'm not gonna go to the gym, or I don't have my running buddy today, so I'm not gonna run. You need to be able to be self-reliant and independent. Independence is knowing that you can do it by yourself, but having somebody with you is also an added benefit as well. So just remember that, just a small little thing is to remember that you need to be self-disciplined and self-reliant, but having somebody with you to support you and motivate you is always great too. Second part of this is, a study was published last year in the, I've read that part already. Emotional and practical support are key elements in staying active. What exactly does social support mean when it comes to exercise? A systemic, systematic review published by Canadian researchers in the International Journals of Sports and Exercise Psychology spells out exactly what kinds of social supports help people stick with the exercise routines. They have found that emotional support is an important component of beginning and maintaining exercise programs. Emotional support could be someone to complain to when you don't feel like heading out on that run, or someone to motivate you when the going gets tough pretty self-explanatory. It's not, this is the thing. It's not bad to complain. It's not bad to say, oh, I really don't want to go on this run. I really don't want to get up this morning. It's not bad to do that. You have to do it anyways, but 
it's not bad to just kind of have someone to vent to and say, man, I don't want to hit the gym today. That extra buddy right there can come in and say, like, hey, dude, you know, we haven't hit the gym today. Let's go. Or that if you have, ladies, if you have a girlfriend that you go with, hey, we haven't, you know, hit squats today or we haven't hit, you know, bicep curls today or we haven't hit a run today. What, let's get out there and let's do it. Having that person to vent to can just really help you. Practical support, such as a ride to the gym or a gift or of exercise gear, did not help participants begin a new exercise routine, but it did help them maintain their physical activity levels. If you have embarked on an exercise program before, you have likely encountered someone who worries that you're doing too much, or you may injure yourself. The review categorized these types of com comments as negative social support and found that they do, in fact, lead people to exercise less. If there are naysayers in your life, it's best to turn, tune them out when it comes to physical activity. Support that is that's seen as actually let me go over that real quick. So is there a is there such thing as working out too much? Contrary to popular belief, yes there is. You can get mental burnout. You can also get physically injured as well if you work out too hard. There is a thing. Although, you have to recognize where that limit and threshold is and then dial it back when you need to. And as you work out harder and harder, the threshold will get higher and higher and higher and higher. But be cautious and be careful if you're a new lifter or you're new to exercise. Don't push yourself too hard at the beginning. Go slow and also build up. Something that my friend uh, Jason Feaster says is, and also I was talking to my other friend Jordan Taylor about this too. It's about longevity. It's about the long game when it comes to exercising. Do you want to be 40 years old and have all these injuries and stuff because you lifted so hard? No. You want to be 60 years old and be able to still run, squat, push up, pull up, whatever it may be, just like you were 25. That's the main goal right there is longevity. Not having so many injuries to where you lifted so hard that you can't even stand nowadays. You have to be in a wheelchair. So there, and if that happens, the cost, the, the, that was the, there was no reason for you to be doing that. So... Biggest thing is recognize that there is a there is too such thing as working out too hard, but you have to really manage yourself. Are you being lazy? Are you being undisciplined? Or do you need a day off because you've been lifting for five days straight? Think about that. Support that is seen as coercive or nagging is unhelpful and can actually discourage someone from exercising. Some studies found that encouragement from friends and family members made participants less likely to exercise in the future. While that may sound surprising, there is strong evidence that when people are pressured to be physically active by friends or significant others, they shy away from physical activity. The answer might lie in perception. When people think that they are being coerced to do something, they are more likely to rebel against it. When they think someone is supporting their own plan, the support is more likely to have a positive effect. So I think that's actually something that's applicable to the gym, but also to life. Basically, don't coerce people to do anything. Motivate them to do better for themselves. I think that's what we're saying here at the very end. So, hope everybody's doing very well. That was the Holy Spirit, Mind, and Body podcast number 12 today. Again, God bless everybody. Hope everybody's doing very well and be easy.